Rachel Berry, the story continues on here. Part five, it's season five. We are back for some more Rachel talk. We'll get right into it, as always. Uh, sorry, by the way, uh, at the top of the show, I will mention if I sound a little different, it is allergy season here in New York, or uh, hopefully it's over by the time you guys are listening to this, but uh, feeling a little off as far as uh, you know all that goes, but otherwise, I'm fine. Uh, Aman, you all good over there in Philly? I'm all good over here in Philly. It's a bit of a rainy day. It's kind of bumming me out. But other than that, it's a good time. You know, the weather's getting, you know, it's getting warmer out here. People are, you know, starting to show their thighs. Show show their their, thighs. Show their arms. uh, You know, sun's out, guns out. Yes. People are really getting on their thought energy nowadays. I kind of love it. Let's all show our thighs and talk about Rachel Berry together. Uh, what were we doing one year ago today? Obviously, like, I know what we were doing, but, like, uh, I wonder what we were watching. I, I guess I could look at the calendar that I made. Season Probably, one. It was season uh, one still in May, right? Because we we got started, like, mid-April, right? Yeah. So, so that, yeah, probably, still, probably still season one. What or a crazy not. world. I mean, we were plowing through it. So we could have been, if, if it's season one, I wouldn't be surprised if it were like the end, like you know. <laughs> episode 20 or something. I have to look back on the text I have. I can probably do it while we're talking here. Oh, there it is. Um, I was talking to Colin Stone and Brian Scally about um, about how, you know, how RHAP, this means nothing to so many people that are listening to us just about Glee. Uh, you know how RHAP is doing the Survivor Countdown. Um, and we were talking about how they're going to like run late into, you know, when the new season starts. And uh, we were like, well, they might have to double up some weeks or whatever. And Colin was like, well, Matt and Amon could get it done by mid-June. <laughs> Everybody was really coming for us. Well, not coming for us, but just like flabbergasted at the fact that we were recording so many uh, podcasts in the beginning, and it, it really was a lot. Uh, I, I, it sort of does feel otherworldly at this point. It beginning of quarantine seems so long ago, even though it really wasn't. It was just one year. Um, but we were, we were out here, man. We really were. It was All these guests coming like, through. What else were we? What else do you want us doing? Yeah, I mean that's that was like the height of it. Like when yeah. everything was like shut the hell down. Like you couldn't do anything. It was like the stay at home order was like an actual stay at home order. Like stay the fuck home. Yeah. So we were like, we got to keep going because you never know. Or one of us or both of us might have to go back to work soon. <laughs> what a funny joke that would have been. So and here we are, both back at work and still recording because yes. we banked episodes and made it happen. And we're vaccinated. So. So that's cool. Yes. What a difference. Yes. Yes, 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 yes. All right. Let's talk Rachel season five. Uh, Obviously, the top of the season here, not going to be the most fun to talk about. Um, There's a little bit of setup as we get into the first two episodes of the season, as we know how Rachel at the end of season four had her uh, big audition for Funny Girl. And we're going to catch up with her a little bit towards these first two episodes to see how that ends up going. Uh, Of course, in episode three, we will get to the quarterback, which is, uh, of course, a very sad time, um, both for the character, for the actress here. So um, at the beginning of the season here, 
Rachel is still preparing for, uh, not still, Rachel is preparing for a callback that she got. Uh, she's walking around New York, seeing the ads going up for Funny Girl. It's it's getting close to becoming her reality. She heads over to her callback, and it seems to go pretty well. Uh, she heads out, though, and the director is talking to the co-star, saying, oh, she's a bit too green for this role. And she's like, oh, that's not what I wanted to hear. Uh, meanwhile, she gets a job with Santana working at the Spotlight Diner, and Santana's been working here for a bit. Rachel seems a little hesitant about starting a job while she's also trying to do all the other stuff she's working on. Uh, Santana's like, just suck it up. Let's do this. So she's working. She's making money for herself for, the, for once in her life, uh, but definitely does seem overwhelmed. Uh, the director ends up showing up at the diner, and she boldly goes over to them being like, look, I think you're wrong. Um, I'm not too young or too green for this role. And she's like, I'm going to show you. So her and Santana get going with a hard day's night. They sing, they do great. Um, they end up leaving right after that to go back to Ohio because Blaine and Kurt are getting uh, engaged. So they're going to go watch that. Um, but that, as we get to the second part of that premiere of season five, uh, she's really not feeling too optimistic about how, you know, her chances for getting it or not. Santana tries to reassure her. Seems like their friendship is kind of growing a little bit more here than it had been lately. Um, and, uh, you know, they, they're just kind of, I don't know, strangely in a good place. Uh, Rachel even pushes Santana to go for it with Danny, who, you know, they have just met now at the Spotlight Diner when she sees, obviously, Santana is uh, goo goo gaga for Danny. Um, so, yeah, a lot happening here as Rachel might get some good news towards the end of this episode. Yeah, I think this is probably like the most placid that we see Santana and Rachel, and it all kind of goes just downhill from there. <laughs> yep. Um, but in the best way possible. Uh, yeah, I mean, Rachel is doing a lot. She's juggling a lot. I mean, she's in the middle of callbacks for a major Broadway role. She is still enrolled at Niata. Now she's picking up a part-time job at a restaurant that's not even just like run-of-the-mill like serving tables. Like they have to perform as well. So I'm sure that there's, you know, time that goes into all of that as well. Um, although it does sort of have like a bit of an impromptu sort of style to it as well. So it might not be that bad, but it's, Definitely, it's it's work, you know? Like, she's working like a dog. Hard day's night. <laughs> um, and all of it is going to pay off pretty quickly because at the end of the episode, the second premiere, she does end up getting the role. The producer and the director do come uh, and give her a cake that has, like, congratulations, Rachel Berry, or you are Fanny Bryce, and everyone is so happy for her. Of course, Kurt and Santana are there to be with her while she gets this news, and there it is, baby. There it is. It's, it's She's... She's back. Rachel Berry is back. Mm -hmm. But we do end up having to slow our rolls a little bit because we do have to say goodbye to Finn once more. Um, now, Rachel isn't really in the beginning part of this episode. We do get to see Kurt speaking to her at the loft before he leaves to go back to Lima for like all the services and everything. Um, but Rachel sort of doesn't make her appearance until midway through where... She finally gets the courage to come and, you know, speak with everyone else and look at the shrine that all of them had created in front of his locker. And um, she sings for the Glee Club. She sings um, uh, Make You Feel My Love. It's a very, very heartfelt performance. Um, yeah, I think we've talked about how this, uh, some of this wasn't acting and how it, there wasn't a dry eye in the room when a lot of these kids were performing their numbers. So, yeah, it was it's a lot. It was a lot. Um, Rachel talked about how how much she loved him and how much he loved her and how much he loved all of them. And before Finn, she really did use to sing alone. And now, it you know, it kind of feels like it's back to that again now that he's gone. Um, she does get some comfort from everybody, especially Mr. Shu, where they get to talk about um, Finn and everything. And she's worried that she might 
forget what he sounds like, what he looks like, how he smells, all the, you know, all the small things that comes with getting to know a person and being in that person's presence. Um, and, you know, Mr. Shu just kind of just reassures her that like that'll never that'll never happen. Like as long as he is with you in your heart, like that's that's all you're ever really gonna need. And to commemorate Finn, um, she does get a plaque done with a quote of his saying the show must go on all over the place or something. So it's a really I think that they probably made the right choice by limiting the racial appearances because it does it did give a lot of the other kids some time to talk about their feelings. You know what I mean? Because obviously Rachel has a different relationship with Finn than the rest of them did. Um, so of course she has to have her special moment, but I like the fact that they sort of held off until towards the end to give everyone their moment. So, and they conveyed exactly, you, you exactly like, you know, what Rachel is feeling there, you know, the devastating heartbreak she is going through that can't even be put into words, uh, what she is feeling there. And of course, like, you know, this goes doubly for, for the actress as well. Of course, uh, Leah, Mon- uh, Leah, wow, Leah, uh, Michelle and Corey Monteith were uh, together in real life. And, uh, you know, I don't know, I don't remember the details of, uh, you know, where, where their relationship was at the time of his passing, but, uh, obviously a super important person in her, in her, in, in this actress's real life so uh you know how much she was even able to be in this episode you know emotionally and and get through scenes and get through more than she did uh you know i think it's it's enough here that that we get that you know nobody feels like oh we didn't have enough rachel like that's the episode is about uh honoring finn it's you know we do it through a variety Mm -hmm. of different characters and we get what we need to uh from rachel to see how you know how she she's doing right now which is obviously not great like look at how uh, how awesome things were going for her back in New York. She got Fanny Bryce. Like, how big of an accomplishment. Rachel Berry made it to New York. She made it there, and things have been going up and down for her there, but she set her sights since she was a little girl on a Broadway role, and there she is, Fanny Bryce in Funny Girl on Broadway. She just is, like, you know, at the, the top of the mountain, and then, of course, has to deal with the passing of uh, the probably the number one most important person in her life. It's like, how do you, how does anyone do that? How is anyone on earth supposed to deal with that? Uh, and that's that's life, right? We've I think a lot of us have learned that the hard way. That sometimes when things happen like that, you just have to move forward and you know lean on the people around you to to get past it. So uh, that's what mm-hmm. she's going to do. She's going to end up heading back home uh, with, you know, back to New York with Kurt and uh, Santana still around as well, of course. Um, And Kurt's going to try to pull her out of this funk a little bit by getting her to join his new band. Um, She thinks it's too soon after Finn's death, um, but he insists, no, Finn wouldn't want you to sit on the sidelines as life passes you by. Uh, You know, I think you should do this. And she's like, well, I do have a lot of stuff going on with Funny Girl. And he's like, all right, well, uh, you know, if if you want to, the offer's still there. Uh, Kurt himself has been, you know, feeling a little bit lost trying to find something to spark his passion. And Rachel, of course, you know, still being a great friend, saying, like, look, you're obviously super special and talented. You got into New York, into Niata. You'll find something for yourself. But by the end of the episode, he does end up, I guess, convincing her and uh, Pamela Lansbury is formed. So um, I, you know, totally understand why Rachel was hesitant to do anything fun for herself in such a dark time in her life but it's nice to see that you know it ends up happening so now rachel has broadway she has niata she has work and now she has pamela lansbury all to contend with i mean this is still the same girl that talked about you know maintaining a 3.86 gpa while being the president of multiple clubs and keeping her uh, boyfriend sexually interested <laughs> And waking up at 6 a.m. every day. So I guess, you know, the multitasking queen is is back with a vengeance. Um, so, yeah, she 
does uh, she does join the band. Although throughout the season, we really don't get a lot of Pamela Lansbury, uh, Rachel action. Maybe one or two performances with all of them. One of them in this episode, Roar, because this is a Katie Aragaga episode, um, which they all sound great in. But um, yeah, so Rachel, you know. She is going through a lot right now. I feel like there's like a big sort of like um, push for rebirth and revamp after sort of like suffering this this big loss. I think in order to like sort of like psychologically distance herself from that, she really just starts starts to like run a few risks. And one of them was wearing this uh, this fake Bob haircut wig to her next rehearsal, which she convinces the director that this was the correct decision to really just sort of you know make her feel like she's Fanny Bryce. And obviously he wasn't that happy, but she does a good job of convincing him that it does sort of make her, you know, it, it changes her, it elevates her a little bit. Um, but it was just the wig. She takes it off when she gets back home. And she is talking to Kurt about how she really just wants to make a few changes with her life. You know what I mean? Like every, she talks about um, how in high school, everything felt so earnest. Everything felt so do or die. And she wants to feel like that right now because right now she she's not really feeling that energy. Um, and they make the decision to just drink a little bit and then go get tattoos. Why, not? why the hell not? Why not? Which is obviously not uh, going to end the best for Kurt. Uh, after they go out and get these tattoos, Kurt reveals his, which uh, is not exactly what he wanted. Uh, and to make, matters, it, baby. <laughs> to make matters worse for him, uh, he finds out from Rachel that she didn't even go through with it. She did not even get the tattoo. But uh, we're going to later find out that actually she, she did. Uh, she did. She's lying to Kurt. Uh, she kind of just wants this little secret to herself because uh, when we do get to see her tattoo, uh, we see that she has uh, Finn's name tattooed right on her rib cage. So, you know, that's t- uh, totally fair that she wants to kind of keep this to herself for now. I'm sure she'll show Kurt eventually, but uh, for now in this moment, you know, she did go through with it. She has Finn's name, uh, you know, permanently on her as a part of her. Uh, not like he wouldn't be, you know, in any other way, but, uh, you know, a lot of people, I think when, when somebody passes, like to get a tattoo to uh, memorialize them. So uh, that's just another nice moment for her there. This is like two episodes after the quarterback. So just a reminder that, you know, just Have because she's doing other... about tattoos, whether or not you get one, I'm sure we did. I just forget what you said. If I would get a tattoo? Mm-hmm. Yeah, see, I, I always said that I would get a tattoo um, probably only to kind of, for this exact purpose um but i don't i don't know because like then obviously like last year there was an opportunity for me to have taken up that uh what i what i've been saying about tattoos for years and i didn't end up doing anything Uh, i don't think my grandparents love tattoos so they wouldn't like love it not that they would be like you can't do that um i don't know i just don't have like a strong desire to do anything like that we'll see if the inspiration ever strikes one day i'm not against it yeah i'm like I find myself wanting one more and more and more uh, as I get older. And I don't know why, because I've always been so averse to them. Just the idea of waking up and having something on my skin that I can't get rid of. But nowadays with technology, you really can get rid of them. And I would never get anything so big and bad that it would take days or months to get rid of. So I've just really been wanting to get a small Mickey Mouse somewhere on my body. Just a small Mickey Mouse like shape, uh, head shape. Not like the actual illustration of his face or anything, just the symbol. Just somewhere in my body. I don't know why, but that's just kind of what I want. Okay. So, so nothing as emotional as having Finn on my on my rib cage, but that's the only thing that I could see myself ever doing right now. I feel like we we, we did have this conversation, though, because yep. I feel like I will end up at some point in my life having that same kind of tattoo on my body, but I feel like 
they won't be the same. So don't worry, everybody. We won't have matching tattoos. <laughs> I'm not opposed to getting matching tattoos. I we am. Get... Oh, my God. I almost did something. Okay, anyway. Um... <laughs> <laughs> okay, see, the universe is not down for this idea. So um, we get to moving mm-hmm. out. Sam and Blaine are going to come to New York to uh, figure out their futures. And, of course, this isn't really a super Rachel-heavy episode, but uh, we get some sparks of the uh, Rachel and Sam potential uh, link-up that is not going to happen in Season 5. Well, in Season 6, uh, Sam has been feeling down and out about how uh, his interviews are going over at Hunter College, and uh, we saw how that went for him. So uh, she ends up uh, uh, linking him up with one of her photographers. So they have a photo shoot, and Rachel's rubbing oil all over Sam's body. And we're like, oh, okay, something's happening here so just you know worth keeping an eye on these two as uh and then they suggest the way you are together and there's that just a little exhilaration a little you know it's been a minute for rachel she hasn't really been intimate with anyone in a while and something you know she's still a living walking breathing human being with attractions that are going to pop up every now and then it just happened that sam might have been the first one and so it was i you know i enjoyed that little flirtation i really did enjoy that scene a lot yeah it does, it, obviously it doesn't <laughs> it was go something anywhere new here, but in season six it doesn't there it is but the foreshadowing is there yes yes but the big stuff is coming here the big season five storyline for rachel as we are in this early part of season five comes up next uh it's been all nice and everything has been doing pretty well so far with the band with rachel with kurt santana the ny3 have been living life you know trying to find the new normal uh with finn's passing um but it's time to add some drama into the mix Oh, baby. So Rachel is really feeling her oats right now. I mean, she's on top of the world. She has the role of her dream. She's getting all of this press from the press. <laughs> um, one of which is a uh, she landed the cover of New York Magazine as one of the newest Broadway ingenues. And um, Santana has sort of been, you know, she's been, you know, making strides. Um, she scored a yeast stat commercial, but it's nothing as grand as, you know, landing a Broadway role. And so Rachel, you know, wants her friend to be successful as well. And so she decides to invite Santana to be a part of the photo shoot. And so Santana comes and everything. She's a little reluctant at first, but she really does appreciate that Rachel would do that for her because, I mean, let's face it, right? Santana has been utterly horrible to Rachel, like, in years prior so the fact that they have come so such a long way to the point where rachel is asking people like pulling strings to make sure that santana gets a, on a magazine cover is great so they go to the photo shoot they sing brave one of my favorite duets between the two of them um and oops, sorry <laughs> i'm so distracted right now um santana loves being a part of it and i think that it sort of like implants an idea in her head so uh rachel or understudy auditions are happening for rachel's role of which of course rachel wants to be there um because she wants to see like who her competition is it's she's very she's becoming the you know old neurotic rachel again and who should bust into the auditorium to audition to be the understudy but one miss santana lopez um she sings the house down boots with my parade is clearly not a Broadway parade, but she sounds good nonetheless. We don't have to have that conversation for the other time. But he loves it. He loves it. He loves it. And Rachel is distraught. So they go back to the to the loft. Kurt is doing his best to mediate, um, offering like making hot chocolate or whatever. I'm like, how is that going to solve things, Kurt? Um, 
But yeah, Santana's like, look, I didn't want to tell you because I figured that we were going to fight about it anyway. So I'd rather just get my audition out of the way before you had the chance to torpedo me. And Rachel was like, this is so inappropriate. I cannot believe that you would sit here and audition to be my understudy without even telling me. The whole point of an understudy is to want to go on in case I miss a performance and it's never going to happen. So how are we supposed to live like this? Um, and it it culminates into this gigantic argument where Rachel ends up slapping Santana across the face because I guess she's learned from Quinn yep. <laughs> at this point, having been slapped across the face two then, years ago. And then ring, 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 ring. Hi, Santana. You are the new understudy for Fanny Bryce. I'll see you at rehearsals, Barry. I'm your new understudy. I'm going to just say this. If I had heard... Never mind. Never mind. Never mind. What? Never mind. <laughs> what do you... I want to know what you were going to say. I'm just like, I mean, look, I'm all about diversity and blind casting, but I, I would venture to say that if I was some, you know, white girl that had just auditioned to be the understudy, um, and a white Jewish girl at that, like, I might feel some type of way. I might be a little mad that Santana Lopez beat me out for uh, the understudy of Fanny Bryce. I'm not going to lie. Oh, I, I might have words. <laughs> I think that Rachel might feel some type of way. I'm like, oh, she does. She feels she feels a lot of ways here. I mean, the other girls that were there, it's audition right, right, right. that we never so, see. Yeah. So, so this is uh, this is this is not great for these two. Uh, you know, there was a lot of talk between them uh, about. Well, actually, maybe that hasn't happened yet. Maybe I'm mixing up my timeline. But you know, just overall, the sense between the two of them has always been since high school. Like, you know, we could have done something magical to high, in high school together. We could have performed a lot more together. But their personalities just never really meshed in a way that you know made them natural friends. And then as we got to New York in season four, and then a little bit the beginning of season five, it was like, okay, like you know, we aren't BFFs, but like, you know, as roommates, I think we can make this work and like, we can still have a relatively like decent friendship. Like, you know, it's the bond that they have, all the Glee kids have, like, Mm. it's kind of, you know, not something that is uh, insignificant by any means for any of them. So that's kind of what has kind of held them together for all this time. But at the end of the day, Santana is still Santana. Rachel is still Rachel. And both of them in their own ways, you know, have many times in their lives where they're going to be looking out for themselves and only themselves and uh, not really worry about anybody else. I still feel like there was the capacity for this to be okay. I mean, if they were, you know, obviously like, okay. From Rachel's standpoint, because this is her character analysis. Yes. I would be upset if my roommate came home talking about, you know, you know, after having watched my roommate audition for the understudy, I would be upset. I'd be like, this, 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 how are we supposed to have maintain a, you know, a, a relationship at home when you're literally my coworker now? This is kind of, ugh, I don't like this. And of course, like, of course, like you want, you don't, no one wants to remain in an understudy for the rest of their lives. You know what I mean? You want to have at least one show so you can get your name out there in the spotlight. So I agree with Rachel when she's like, I can't have that energy. Like you, like you succeed if I fail and I can't, that's not good to come home to. Yeah. But in the same breath, you guys had just come together and had this really cool conversation about how, yes, there has been, uh, the history between the two of you hasn't been the greatest, but you are still maintaining this wonderful friendship where you're helping each other survive in New York. Santana helped you get this job. You're helping Santana get on the cover of New York magazine. Maybe they're not, you know, the same but the sentiment is still equal like you guys are help you guys are you're you're using each other as a support system so if they were evolved enough to think that way i feel like this is a this is a, 
a this could have been a beautiful story. It's like, yes, like we moved to New York together. We weren't the best of friends, but then we became the best of friends. She even became my understudy. She went on for a show or two while I was sick, and we're both famous now. You know what I mean? Like, who? Like, I feel like that alone. Like, the director was on to something. That's what he the director like, wanted. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Like, this is the perfect story to sell the show. First of all, yeah. And second of all, it's not even as if it's like extremely gimmicky because you both are very talented. So you could, like, you know what I mean? Like, so it's it could have worked. It would it would have just tied them together so as a duo. It would have tied them together as a pair. And neither of them are looking for a career tied to the other. Uh, it would have been, you know, for but it's the beginning though. You know what I mean? This is like, like this is your first big and break. If, yeah. Like... And if they were a little bit more mature about things and if they were a little bit wiser, if they had anybody guiding them besides this director guy to say, look, this is a great way for you both. Like, I, like look, look at both of you and the star power that you both have. Uh, Rachel, like you may not believe it, but like having Santana by your side and the story and all of this, like will make you both more successful in the long run. And like, you don't have to be, you know, you don't have to keep this going for years and years to come, but like at least to get off the ground. Uh, there's absolutely no problem with having the two of you, you know, linked together in terms of your success. Um, but you're never going to get these two characters to see it that way because that's just yeah. who they are. So, well, I mean, I think, I think, and if we're going to talk about it a little more, I think that Santana did sort of like hit the nail on the head here. She was like, "Look, like, I understand all the things that you've done. Like, I, I think that, I think that the moment that they had before all of this was genuine and pure. But I also think that there is a little bit of like, yes, Rachel, you." We're being very nice, but I also think that you kind of like the idea of me serving tables while you are on Broadway. I think that that makes you feel better because, let's face it, I was not very nice to you in high school. So, of course, having one over me is going to make you feel good. If that's the case, don't sit here and try to pretend that it isn't. Like, mm -hmm. And Rachel, yeah, I mean, yeah, like... It's okay to be like if we're all if we're gonna put it out on the table, you can just say like, look, like, yes, it's nice that the girl that tormented me in high school is actually like having to like sit back for a second. That is that does make me feel good. Like I don't think there's anything wrong with admitting that. And then because if you admit that, then you can move past it. But Santana's like you're never gonna be able to scratch that itch. Like if, if you're not even willing to admit it, you are never going to be able to get over the fact that yes. There are some of us that are going to tease you and not like you, and we can still be just as successful as you, even with all of your training, all of your 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 classes, all of that stuff, all these medals, these trophies. I still became your understudy, and I don't have any of that, and it burns your ass. So get over it, girl, or else like you're never going to be able to 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 you know move past right. this you know psychological block that you have. So. so yeah, the tension just keeps rising between the two of them because obviously they have to start going to rehearsals together. They're fighting over who gets to use what vanity. Santana's not giving up her spots, refusing to let Rachel walk over her. They end up singing together here, Every Breath You Take. Clearly just both of them unsure how to proceed with all of this. Um, and they can't keep living together either because they realize that it's not working for either of them. Kurt doesn't want to pick a side, so Santana ends up leaving the apartment. Uh, not Santana, Rachel uh, ends up leaving the apartment to go live with Starchild. And on the way out, we get a very very sad scene of Rachel ripping up the picture of the two of them from, from graduation saying, look, I am done with you. Um, this is all too much and too much of a, a betrayal. It's over. You and I are not friends anymore. And it's a tough, tough scene to watch. But she moves in with Starchild, ends up making herself right at home. Uh, she she finds out that uh, that Santana has been running uh, lines with Starchild and she gets annoyed at him. She's like, what are you doing helping her? He's like, I don't have loyalty to any of you. Like, you're crashing on my couch because they need extra money. Like, I don't know any of you longer than anyone else. 
else. Enough of this. Uh, but they end up performing Gloria together at the uh, at the diner, and they try to get him to pick a side of who's better. And he's like, "I'm not doing Gloria! this." Uh, the two of them just cannot stop fighting. Uh, Kurt even tries to mediate between them, but ho- the hostility is too strong. Neither of them are going to admit to any wrongdoing, so they get kicked out of the band. One of Three Hills going to go do their own thing. Rachel and Santana <laughs> even try to come to a show to watch. Not Kurt kicking them out of the bands. They're like, "Y'all need y'all bitches is drama. Y'all need to leave." <laughs> <laughs> well, like, what else do you do at that point? Like, they are not being any kind of productive. Like, Kurt, you should have known this was going to happen when you invited them both into the band. Uh, it's 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 a band. It's about multiple people in a group. Like, Rachel and Santana are both not those people that are going to be focused on a group at all times. Like, even in in the One Directions, it was all you know. They both had their own success in minds uh, uh, while they were doing every performance with the group. So whatever. Um, so they go back to the loft. They have a brief moment, uh, Rachel and Santana, where they seem to regret being in this big fight that they're in because, you know, they were each other's only girlfriend in the city. Um, and, you know, it's a huge city. They don't have many friends in general. So it seems like they kind of regret that it's gotten this bad, but it's not really, you know, enough to heal things. When the band shows back up, they're like, oh, wow, everything seems OK here. And they're like, yeah, not not really. It's not not good enough. So as we get to uh, episodes 100 and 101, New Directions, uh, it's time for everybody to make a trip back to Ohio uh, because the Glee Club is seemingly over and it's time to see if there's anything that everybody can do to save it. And this storyline doesn't exactly get paused, but it kind of just gets dragged into uh, the world back in Ohio as uh, all of the other characters, like everybody's going to you know mix back in with Rachel with Mercedes and Brittany with Santana. Um, but underlying it all the whole time is still the Rachel Santana feud. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're um they're really sort of at a, a a stalemate, I guess, as they're both have come home trying to sort of like one up one another. And of course it's like it's a little even like a little bit of a side battle with Rachel and Mercedes because um, you know, of course Mercedes has a recording contract now and Rachel is going to be on Broadway. So the two of them are both separately becoming very successful, but they still need to prove that one is having a bit more success than the other. So the great battle of um, uh, defying gravity gets reignited um, and they're forcing the rest of the Glee Clubbers, even the new kids that don't even know these people from like two ways from Sunday, um, having them all vote for each other. And it ends up being a tie. Santana's had enough of this. Santana's like, look, so this is, Rachel is still up to this. Like, she's still up to all of these antics. Like, why is she making you guys choose who's the better diva still? Like, it's been years. And she's still mad at the fact that I'm her understudy. And so she basically just reads Rachel down, just like all the way down. And then even goes as far to admit that she did not actually win prom queen. Rachel uh, was handed it by Santana and Quinn stuffing the ballot boxes. Um, And so... <laughs> it's just not it's just not good. That was I think the, the final straw for Rachel. Like it was, you know, that you know, it's kind of like the thing with uh Kurt before where Kurt like admitted to her that like he threw the defying gravity thing. It's like all of these things that Rachel had sort of like based her confidence on are just shattering. Yeah. <laughs> and Rachel's like Rachel Rachel gets uh not 
she's not feeling good after this one. Like she's been ripped apart by Santana before, but like this was, I don't know, like now it's just getting worse and worse. Like they don't feel any better after, you know, 13 of these happened to you in the course of a couple weeks. Uh, and uh, she's got the, the thing with Mercedes going on. She's in front of the entire room of people that, you know, like you said, barely, they barely know her. I'm sure they know of her because it's the new directions. Like they know of the championship team from the year before, but they don't know these people like personally. Uh, Santana even points out Rachel doesn't know any of their names. Uh, so Rachel's upset. She ends up running off to the bathroom. Uh, Mercedes has to go end up comforting her saying, look, I get it. And Rachel's like, look, being in New York every day is like being back in high school. And Mercedes kind of hypes her back up saying, look, you're the best singer that I've ever heard. And I want you to be rich and successful. But I just want to be more rich and more successful. Uh, so they laugh and they kind of, you know, get over the stupid little feud that they had had and kind of uplift each other. Uh, they end up, like you said, uh, tying in the vote. So who cares about that? And they, uh, they all go off to the auditorium together. They see where Mr. Shu has put Finn's plaque up on the wall. So just a nice moment there. Um, but then going into that 101 episode, uh, Kurt and Mercedes are like, enough of this. We need to get Rachel and Santana to stop fighting so much. They try to sing uh, I Am Changing to them to get them uh, back on the same page. Uh, the girls, uh, Rachel and Santana, go to the bathroom to talk it out a little bit. And Rachel tries to make a peace offering to Santana saying, look, I'll give you X amount of shows uh, and maybe that'll make things better between us. And Santana's like, nope, that's not good enough. I want more. And she walks out and it's like, OK, whoa, Santana. We'll get to that in Santana podcast but for Rachel I mean that's a that's not a bad offer like hopefully that should have helped things here but Santana's got her own thing going on where she's it just was quite a few shows wasn't it, it was like yeah four I, think she said or... like, like, I don't remember exactly how many she said but like she was it was a good offer uh definitely a good offer um Santana is really just not not in the, the greatest of moods not really being the nicest of people here um and she ends up just refusing so uh but but, 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 uh, Santana has been reunited with Brittany, who's kind of reminding her of who she is. And, you know, you don't even want to be on Broadway. What are you doing this for? And Santana's like, you know what? You're right. <laughs> I don't know why I'm doing this. So she's going to find Rachel, uh, in the auditorium and tell her that she actually is, uh, not going to do this. Yeah. And it's such a big relief for Rachel, right? Like, I, I think, I, of course, obviously just like not having to worry about Santana trying to sabotage her. But I also think just like this is not something that I had. Like, it's like, God, like now we can stop fighting. Like, why are we fighting again? Everything started off so well in the beginning of the season. You remember the premiere? We were singing the Beatles together. Like, what happened? <laughs> And now they're just going to sing some be okay together uh, because everything is going to be okay. Just like that. Yeah. Okay. That, that still seemed fake to me, but um, yeah, sure. But uh, I mean, it, it's, it's, they are able to come to some sort of reconciliation, which, you know, Santana just sort of like banishes herself to Lesbos Island with, with Brittany for a couple of weeks and Rachel is free to return to New York and finish out her rehearsals and really gear up for opening night, which is fast approaching. So um, it's a, it really is a bit of a, of a reset here. Yeah. Um, they come home to help the Glee Club. The Glee Club isn't able to be helped, but Rachel still has a lot of stuff that is um, in her future. So she eventually does go back to New York for the New York era of Glee season five. I love it. The strictly love it. New York era. Yes. Uh, for the second <laughs> half of the season. And the yeah, new it was, it was, New York. 
Yes. It was nice that she, you know, had some time back at home. She got to, you know, be with uh, Mr. Shu for a bit, which uh, anytime that those two characters are together post uh, the quarterback, uh, you're kind of you kind of pay more attention because both of them are obviously grieving their loss so much. So uh, when Will is feeling down and out about the Glee Club being gone, like Rachel's kind of there to, to be there for him. And, uh, you know, they get the Don't Stop Believing performance going as she kind of leads the way for all of everybody involved with that project. And then, yeah, um, goes on to uh, root on Tina Cohen Chang at graduation because we know that those two are BFFs the whole time, right? Yeah, so cool. Um, but when we get to New York, it's time for some new New York, like you said. Uh, Sydney, the funny girl producer, is going to be a bigger a bigger player here in this part of the season. He gets Rachel all set up for the star treatment uh, to be the star of the show that she is. Uh, gets her her own personal car and all this kind of stuff. And all of her friends are here now, or most of her friends. Uh, Blaine and Sam and Artie have made their way here. So now, uh, you know, along with Kurt, this is the NY5, I don't know, uh, that are going to uh, be hanging out in New York all together. Uh, there's a whole thing here where Artie gets robbed in the subway and Rachel tries to sympathize with him, but it's really super tone deaf. And uh, we get a little bit of a rift between the two of them, which kind of is just an excuse for them to sing together, which is fine. Um, and uh, Artie kind of brings Rachel back down to earth by, uh, by by just kind of talking some sense into her. And she ends up, you know, agreeing to take the subway with him all the time. So there's that. Um, and by the end of the episode, Mercedes shows up and she's here and everyone's so excited to see her. So uh, Rachel is here. She's got her friends here. She's going to be rehearsing for Funny Girl. She sings People at the end of the episode where it's a very good performance, has not yet come up in the countdown. And uh, it's time to make some new memories together. Some new traditions are going to start with all of the friends. And uh, it's it's time. We're in New York. Yeah, um, it is it, it is a very peaceful entrance into this next era. I enjoy this episode a lot because of all of the, you know, the pieces of relationships that we get to see sort of like, you know, come back. Like we don't really get a lot of Rachel and um, Artie content um, to have Mercedes. <laughs> it kind of feels like it's like, yay, ding dong. The bitch is dead. Santana's out of here. Bring Mercedes in. Let's keep this ball rolling. Like Rachel's just running bitches up out of here. Like <laughs> That's all it took for her to like come back and just feel, oh, yes, the city. I love it again. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> Damn. Um, but no, this this episode really is a lot of fun. And they decide to start this new tradition of having Monday night dinners. Um, uh, Sam and Blaine are going to move over to, to Mercedes's place. So it, it's a it's a really cool time here. Um, moving forward, uh, Rachel, I think all of the pressure is starting to come down on her. Like I said, she has still been enrolled at Niata this entire time. And she's having a lot of difficulty with planning around her classes and schedules and rehearsing and finals and all sorts of stuff. And she's making the decision, you know what, maybe, maybe I might want to just go ahead and stop with Niata. She has a meeting with Carmen Thibodeau where she is asking for some of her classes to be rearranged, stating that she thought that Niata was the type of school that really encouraged its students to get outside work and work around and be flexible. And so Carmen is like, yes, that's true, but also you have already been flagrantly disregarding schedules over here, having so many people rearrange their things for you, and that's not necessarily how this is supposed to go. Like, you already, you got in this school on a whim, okay? Like you weren't even not, you were not even supposed to be here, and now you want to come into my office telling me how your education should be run when you still are lacking the very basic level of professionalism that you did not even have in your first audition. And so she, Rachel, just gets all big and bad and tells her like, "You're wrong. I don't need this shit. I'm out of here." And 
she has a conversation with Kurt, who is begging her, begging her not to do this because why throw away? Why piss off somebody like Carmen Thibodeau? Like you might have a role now, but like why would you want to piss somebody off that's that influential? Um, and Rachel just considers this an attack. She's like, no, you're you're just like Carmen. You're just like everybody else. That's that can't handle the fact that I am bigger than all of this. So like, fuck you, Kurt. And Kurt's like, well, fuck you too, Rachel. And then, unfortunately, after they have this big mis- uh, misunderstanding with one another, Kurt is going to end up getting gay bashed, and it's yeah. just like, damn. Yeah. Um. the The way that she approaches everything here with Carmen is obviously so like, Rachel, this is Carmen Thibodeau. You chased this woman down for for your big break out of high school, and now you know she's she's given you so much in the past year. She gave you that winter showcase opportunity. She like got your best friend into the school when he probably uh, otherwise would not have gotten in. Like she has done so much for you. And now you do this assignment wrong. You're kind of telling her that you don't need her. You don't need this school. It's like, where is this coming from? It's really, you know, uh, the beginning of the end, I guess, as uh, all of this is really going to keep spiraling for her here. So yeah, she finds out what's ha- what happens to Kurt. She feels super guilty, but you know, Blaine's like, don't worry what happened either way. And it's like, well, yeah, but wouldn't exactly have happened if, you know, that was all happening while Kurt was still having dinner because he was not mad at Rachel. But whatever, not the point. Uh, so Kurt gets out of the hospital. Rachel apologizes to him, saying he's the most talented person she knows. And uh, he's taking more risks in her in his life than she ever has or will. And, uh, you know, I love you and we'll always be best friends. And, of course, he forgives her, saying, you know, they've had worse fights. Um, so, you know, they're they're fine. As much as the, this friendship tends to show signs of cracks at times, it's still, you know, going to be just fine. They're going to be okay. Um, uh, we also see more on the Rachel and Mercedes friendship as, uh, you know, Mercedes is here spending more time in New York. Uh, Mercedes ends up confiding in Rachel a little bit about, you know, what was her first time with Finn like, because she's considering maybe having her first time with Sam. Uh, and she was like, so how did you know you were ready? You know, just, uh, nothing too crazy here for Rachel, but, uh, just a nice, uh, bit of scenes between the two of them, uh, as she gives her some advice saying, look, Sam's going to be supportive no matter what. And, uh, Mercedes even kind of pushes Rachel a little bit here being like, are you you planning on dating again anytime soon? I mean, you know, you and Finn weren't even dating when everything happened. I think, you know, everybody would understand. And uh, she's, you know, kind of updates us that she's really not looking forward, not lo- not looking for that right now. She's focused on her career, which I think makes mm-hmm. sense for her at this point. Uh, not even just because of Finn necessarily. She's got so much going on that we keep talking about. Uh, I don't know where she would find time for a new guy in her life. Yeah. Um, there is there is a lot, um, and I, I like this conversation. I like that she sort of like mentions to to Mercedes, like yeah, like I, I think that she should really go for it because I mean there was there was a moment in time where I thought that Sam and I might have had something, and that feeling is nice to have. Like so, like you know, go for it. Um, and I think Mercedes like sort of reciprocating that same energy for Rachel, like yes, like of course take your time, but at the same time, like you know, I mean we're social creatures, we're social beings, we really. You should you really consider when you're ready just putting yourself back on the market because no one, no significant other that passes would ever want the remaining, you know, the surviving significant other to remain single. Like that's just not, that's not the life that, the life that you should lead. And of course, always uphold that special place in your heart for that person. It'll never be replaced, mm-hmm. but love is plentiful. So you should really always try to see God as much of it as you can. Yeah. So let's get to Rachel's big night here. Um, as I wrote in our notes, potentially Rachel's biggest episode of the entire series. Uh, I don't know what you think about that, but uh, it's time for her opening night. This is a big episode and uh, get us started here. Walk us through it. Well, um, you know, she 
starts off pretty well, you know, she's really excited about everything, but the neurosis start to kick in and it's only exacerbated by the fact that she decides to start internet cutting, which is essentially just reading a bunch of rude comments about her. So many articles, some, some good, a lot of them bad, um, criticizing her movements, criticizing the way that she looks, criticizing how she is a Barbara wannabe, just all sorts of horrible things. And her complete her, her confidence just gets completely shot to the point that when it's opening night, she doesn't even want to get ready. Everyone is going into like panic mode because they're trying to rouse her from her from her stupor. Everyone comes over. So Mercedes is there. Uh, Tina is there. Uh, Sam is everybody is there. None of their attempts work. Tina's fake letter from Barbara doesn't even work, as I don't even know why she thought that it would. Um, <laughs> Who wrote this, Tina? <laughs> she severs the the strings on Sam's guitar. She throws out the gift basket that Kurt got her. Um, it's just not. It's just not hitting. It's not hitting. But the one girl that is able to get her and her shit together is, of course, Miss Santana Lopez. The girl that weeks ago they were just fighting tooth and nail to even have this part for. And um, Santana reads an excerpt from an article written about Barbara Streisand back in the 60s um, as she debuted as Fanny Bryce on Broadway. So many rude things were said about her as well. Um, And Santana's like, I'm not even going to hold you, Rachel. Like, you suck at so many things. You are so fucking annoying. But this is the one thing that you know how to do. There is no reason for you to be sitting here acting as if this is not what you have been born to do. You and I only have two speeds. Awesome. Or none at all. And yeah, it's just these words that just hit Rachel in the core. And she's up out of bed and she's ready for her opening night. Yeah, she's been she's been down about all of this. She's been so terrified. She had that awful nightmare where she was back in McKinley singing Love Fool with Becky Get Jackson there, JBI, Karofsky, everybody's dressed in their old outfits. She has just been going through it. She woke up super nervous, super anxious. Sue Sylvester showed up in New York to make matters worse, showing up at the apartment. So, like, everything is going wrong. She is terrified. Uh, so when Santana comes through there and is like, uh, you know, it knows exactly what to say, exactly what buttons to push to get Rachel back on her feet. Uh, you know, it just, it, it only, it's the only thing that makes sense here, uh, for this relationship for these two when, you know, Santana makes her big debut back after a couple of episodes out on Lesbos Island. So, uh, she comes back, she makes Rachel, uh, she, she, you know, gets Rachel back up and running again. Uh, so we go backstage to the show. Uh, Mr. Shu arrives and tells her how proud he is, of course. And, uh, she's super nervous and how much, she, you know, she tells him how much she's been thinking about Finn. Uh, this reunion is very short-lived because Will gets a call from Emma or whoever uh, that Emma's water broke and she's about to have the baby, so he has to frantically run off back home. Um, but Rachel takes the stage here, and uh, of course this is a, the, there's a scene here that Amon really loves as she's just walking out to the stage getting ready, um, and you just like can feel her heart beating as she is so oh, I love it so nervous. much. I'm getting chills just thinking about it now. <laughs> she is so nervous for this big moment that she's been waiting so long for and it's finally here she's about to get on stage and sing i'm the greatest star um and you know it's it's a it's a huge moment for her she gets on stage the curtain opens uh but as it opens and as she gets into her performance uh things are still going wrong because she notices sue sylvester in the crowd who is going to be getting up and leaving very early on into the show so uh that's going to knock her a little bit but she still gets good, you know keeps on going with the with the show uh during the uh I wanted to say 
halftime? What, what, what? Intermission. Oh my God. I intermission, not, baby. <laughs> I, I, like, I've not heard of an intermission in a while. Broadway needs to get back, right? Uh, hello. I was like, what is it called? Um, intermission uh, arrives not and half-time. not halftime. It's like, not halftime. You I'm sound sorry. like such a, a straight guy such right a bro. now. <laughs> bro. I kind of liked that. Halftime, bro. <laughs> Um, Kurt and Mercedes end up hyping her up about, you know, how uh, great she was and how this is, you know, you know, this is, you're doing so well. She's a little worried because Sue getting up and leaving might affect the New York Times reporters write up that is uh, currently here reviewing the show. Um, but it's fine. She heads back out to the stage for uh, act two. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, part. No. Uh, uh, quarter two. What's it called in football? Act two. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm looking for the football term. Uh, second half. <laughs> Of the game, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think I have, yeah. <laughs> I don't know why I did that. Um, <laughs> she gives a very emotional performance of Who Are You Now, uh, which is a nice performance just you know not just because she gets to sing this with jane lynch but also you know she's thinking of finn during this uh we get a lot of montages to uh just some memories uh that you know even on this not not even just like this big moment in her life she's of course thinking about you know the one guy who she wouldn't be there without without the confidence that he gave her and without the love that he showed her to like give to, to get her to this point in her life so she's thinking a lot about finn she cries a little bit on the stage which uh probably not acting at that point you know she just genuinely feeling the emotions that as an actor, she's allowing herself to feel. Um, so it all goes super well after the show, her friends and the directors come back to tell her how great she was. They make plans. They're going to go out and celebrate. So they do, they go out, they have a great time. Rachel gets asked to sing and she agrees. And they all have a, a super, super great time. Uh, if only they could celebrate all night long, uh, without being interrupted by, you know, Sue Sylvester still hanging around, uh, having sex all over her apartment. <laughs> disgusting uh so yeah they do end up making their way back to the apartment um sue lets them know that she has been having sex all over the apartment santana gets up to take care of it as if she hasn't done enough damage to sue already this season um but rachel goes ahead and takes it you know and she pretty much just you know i mean it's okay it's serviceable i much rather would have preferred if santana did it she does not have the same way with words that uh santana does but it does do the trick, and Sue is like, all right, well, I'm not going to stay anywhere I'm not wanted. So she finally leaves, and um, they go, and they get the uh, the New York Times. Uh, the rave reviews are in. Everybody loved it. Everybody loved it. They 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 loved it. Um, and uh, the, the cherry on top of all of this is that um, Mr. Shu calls Rachel back. It's a boy. His name is Danny. Emma's doing great. So it's just it's just a perfect moment, you know? Like, she did a good job. The New York Times, you know, raved about her. It's just a, it's a, really, it's a solid episode. It's a yes. lot of fun. Yes. So things are, you know, th- things could not, I, I want to say things could not be better, but uh, given the current circumstances of everything else in her life right now, uh, to have this show go off successfully, to have, you know, uh, sure, a couple of Sue Sylvester hiccups along the way, but overall, uh, she, like she says to Will, you know, I'm completely happy with uh, where I am in life right now and where, and just, and just in this moment. So, uh, you know, you love to see it if you are a Rachel Berry stan. Um, so this is awesome. You know, she's got the show went well she's uh, opening night is over she's not going to be as nervous going forward now every other night from here i'm sure she'll be a little bit nervous but she got the first one out of the way and now she can do the rest of her shows uh but maybe that's not going to be her plan for her future you know you think that after watching someone for five seasons talk about what it is that they want you think that when they finally get it that it would be you know 
that that would be it. Not that our Rachel it. Berry, not her. No, like I said, she's multitasking queen, and she's going to get approached um, after a show uh, where this producer comes up to her and says, I don't even know how he got back there, but pretty much just pitches that, she, that he wants her to be a part of this uh, sci-fi television show that he's pitching to the network, and he needs for her to be in L.A. next week in order to do the audition. Of course, Rachel is going to want to do it because she's like, oh, you know what, maybe you know, Broadway has always been my dream, but maybe... Maybe Broadway's dying. Maybe I should be focusing a little bit more on TV. And so she's going to try to like surreptitiously ask um, the producer, what's his name again? A producer? I have no idea. The, the director uh, Sydney, is Sydney. Is. Producer is Sydney. The director is somebody else. I forget the director's name. Oh, I don't know. Okay. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Same thing. But yeah, she's going to try and ask uh, Sydney for some time off. And Sydney's like, no. No, like you're my star. Like, do you, you see the New York Times? Like, you need to be here. Like, <laughs> you can't just be leaving, especially not for some bullshit like this. Of course, she doesn't tell him that it's for uh, a TV audition. Um, Rachel does tell Kurt about the audition, and Ra- and Kurt is all of us. Like, what are you doing? Like, you find like you've been on Broadway for two weeks, and that's all. It, that's all it took two weeks, <laughs> and you're already sick of it. Are you kidding me? Like, get Santana over here then. Shit. Right. Like, She's like, look, Broadway's where everybody goes before they make it big. And uh, and Kurt just cannot believe what he's hearing. Neither can any of us. And she's going to go through with this audition, despite knowing that she shouldn't. She goes to L.A. and, uh, you know, as she deserves to be at this point, embarrasses herself. Uh, because she gets to this audition. It was not an audition for any kind of singing role, but she sings anyway. She gets out there and sings. I don't even remember the name of the song. Uh, the but Rose. The Rose. Yeah, it's so uh, forgettable. It was like so towards the bottom of this list, um, which wasn't because she sounded bad, but because they were like, no one asked you to sing. Uh, so that's kind of awkward. And she ends up leaving, uh, you know, because that's what else you're going to do. They, they did didn't ask you to sing. Uh, probably did not go too well. Uh, she ends up having 15 missed phone calls from Sydney, who is like, oh, Rachel, you have to get back like today. Your understudy fell. The guy pushed her off the stage so that Rachel would have to you know, perform because that's how things work. Uh, so Rachel, you have to get back. Uh, but Rachel is still in LA, LA, not New York. You know how far LA and New York are? Uh, if you're, I don't know if you, if you know how far they are, then, you know, if you don't know, they're pretty far. Uh, my voice is like disappearing <laughs> as we go on. Uh, sorry if anyone uh, is annoyed by that. Uh, I'm probably more annoyed than you are because I don't feel the best with the voice. Okay, anyway, um, Rachel is uh, not able to get out of this L.A. traffic. Kurt ends up needing to scramble to help her out there. Santana is going to save the day. Kurt gets back to find Santana and Mercedes, who have been having their own episode here uh, with the recording studio and all that. Uh, Kurt is like, we need to do something. Santana's like, okay, <laughs> I got this. And of course she does. She's got this. Uh, She takes care of the show. Rachel cannot thank her enough uh, for what she's done. And when Rachel goes back to meet up with Sydney the next day, he's like, look, I'm not going to fire you because you're the star of the show. But if you ever pull something like this ever again, you will be fired and your reputation will be trashed beyond recovery. And then she goes and essentially does the exact same thing two episodes later. But, um, We'll we'll talk about old dog new tricks, I guess, or next tricks. Um, no, it's, yeah, it's, so, it's new tricks. My notes are wrong. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, um, I was like, I think that might be an error. Whatever. That's um, that's an error. But oh, but but sorry, I didn't even finish the, uh, this episode here. Uh, after he tells her that and and set, uh, essentially threatens her with with that, which not really an undeserved threat after she pulled that kind of crap on him. I don't know. Whatever. Um, she ends up getting a call from Mr. L.A. who says, uh, "You didn't make it on that show. That's not going to be a good fit. But I want to develop an entire show." 
around Rachel Berry? So, no. <laughs> no. Rachel, you just got your ass handed to you. Why would you even entertain this? It doesn't matter if it's not the same sci-fi ship. It's still another show that's going to be taking you away from the show that you were already in. Can't you just bask in your glory for a little bit? The offers are going to keep rolling in. Why do you think that? Why are you accepting the very first off offer from this shady producer, mind you? He doesn't really seem to be that good at his job because if he's pitching that sci-fi shit, I don't want to be anywhere near this guy because clearly the taste level is not there. So any show that surrounds Rachel Berry, girl, go on the Today Show if you want like a little docu-series. They'll do it for you. Just, you know, you're getting press already as it is, but ugh, she's Rachel and she's going to see dollar signs and well not even dollar signs because Rachel doesn't seem to be motivated by money she's just motivated by like fame and just like you know people knowing her name and star power and all that so she you know she is going to entertain this um in the next episode she sort of goes to like a sort of an image rehab um this is where we start to see Santana come into her own as a bit of a uh, uh, publicist they plan this uh benefit um, called Broadway Bitches, where Rachel's going to have all of these dogs from around the city that need new homes and really be an ambassador for them. Um, she tries to manufacture this entire photo photo shoot um, that does not end well for her. She ends up pissing off one of the families that wants to adopt a dog, but she wants that specific dog because it only has three legs, so it will look really good on the photo. She's promoting a three-legged dog, and then all the dogs start dragging her across the <laughs> across the street <laughs> and it just just does not go very very well in all in, in, the, in the midst of all of this kurt has been putting on this uh production at this old uh, people home and she he really wants for rachel and santana to be there but rachel's like i am doing this for the animals and he's like no you're not you're doing it for yourself so she really goes to, like a whole selfishness moment right now but does eventually come to her senses once Ra- uh, kurt like you know sort of like you know tears a new one being like you guys you're being the exact same person that you used to be. Yeah. Why are you doing this to yourself? So she ends up going to the show, and it's wonderful and everything. And the dogs all end up getting really good homes because they end up having the benefit at the uh, at what's the name of the diner? Spotlight Diner. Yeah. Spotlight Diner. Yeah. Um, and it's you know another happy ending. And before. the only reason she ended up going to the show is because of this whole fight she got into with a woman at the at the uh, the uh, at the Spotlight Diner where uh, she went to go take a picture with the dog that she really wanted to take a picture with, and that mm-hmm. woman came up trying to adopt it, and she's like gets into a fight with her. Uh, the woman's like, "You're such a fraud! Like you're you know you're you're just doing it for the cameras." And she's like, "Oh shit! Like I am." Kind Don't of listen fraud. to her. <laughs> Look at her shoes. <laughs> okay, Zandana. Um, yeah, so she ends up going to uh, to be there for Kurt, and then, like you said, they all adopt all the dogs. All get adopted, and Santana gets highlighted for being an amazing publicist. So, um, kind of just I'm like really, a. I'm sad with that, that. Well, we'll talk about it when we get to Santana. Never mind. <laughs> okay, kind of just like a. Uh, episode that's like we really just need to fill episode nineteen of the season. We don't have anything yeah. else to do. Like it's a filler, but I Chris Colfer is going to direct this one, so we'll give him some time to play around with puppies all day, and we'll see what happens. Um, yeah, kind of insignificant in the overall scheme of things. And I think did did we kind of land on uh, these last three episodes take such a hard shift for Rachel's story because of the fact that they knew that they were going to go to uh, Ohio for season six and they needed to set up why she leaves Broadway. Like it, I think that's ultimately like what it comes down to uh, because for them to go to New York and opening night and all this kind of stuff, just for it to be like crash and burn out it of crash nowhere. Crash and burns. Like it's crazy. The trajectory from the first like four episodes of the New York era are so wonderful. And then all of a sudden they just, it's all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, it, it yeah, had I to be because they knew what they were going to do next. Uh, you know, that they were going to go back to New York for season six at this point and had to find a way to get the story there uh, because this is all just mess, mess, mess. Uh, the untitled Rachel Berry project closes out the season as uh, all of her friends are over for dinner. Mary Halloran, this writer for this new L.A. show, All About Rachel, shows up and she's got all these interesting ideas. She rejects everything that Rachel throws at her. Uh, Kurt is like, Rachel, you got to get rid of her. She is not this is not it for you, especially because you're on shaky ground with Sydney back at a funny girl. Like you need to make sure that that is good. Not Mary Halloran, whatever's going on here. And Rachel's like, no, Kurt, like if I'm going to go to LA, I will have more success than I will on Broadway. And this is going to be my ticket in. So whatever, Rachel, you do your thing. Uh, this, this, uh, script screenwriter is giving them a script that is just got wild stories happening here. Everybody is like, Rachel, what is wrong with you? Except Brittany. Brittany likes the story. Um, and Rachel's like, okay, look, let me see if I can try a different way to show this person, Mary Halloran, like what I am about, who I am, whatever. So she gets uh, her to go to the spotlight diner. She sings glitter in the air. And she's like, this is me. Like, this is me singing. This is just what, I am all about. And Mary Halloran takes some inspiration from that. She later gives them a new script and everyone seems a little bit happier with the new product. Uh, it seems to be a little bit more realistic to Rachel and, and her life and her friends or whatever. Uh, so she's like, look, I knew I was born to be Fanny Bryce, but reading this script, I, I know LA is where I belong. So at the end oh, of this God. episode, we're going to see Rachel is heading off to LA. The friends all link up and they talk about how everybody's going their separate ways. Rachel's really sad because you know, this whole year, uh, uh, this past season, she she lost Finn. The Glee Club is no longer, and she doesn't want to lose her friends too. Uh, but she's giving up this life in New York to go take a chance on Mary Halloran's script in L.A. Yeah, um, it's it's the drastic change. It's really, I mean, if 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 you know, if you hadn't sort of like solved the case and that, of course, needed to figure out a way to put everybody back in Ohio again, like I would be like, okay, can someone check on Rachel? Like, we need a mental <laughs> check because <laughs> this is crazy. It's yeah. crazy. Um. So yeah. Uh. It's it, the show isn't great. It. It. I mean, we don't get to see a lot of the second script, but I don't. I can't see someone like Mary Halloran who wrote that monstrosity of a first script having anything that's that even exponentially better the second time around. So I'm sure the second one was trash too. And of course, we know the second one is trash because just fast forward to season six premiere. Mm-hmm. Um. But I mean, yeah, everybody does go their separate ways. Um. And. L.A. seems to be her new dream. Uh, I I don't really see it for your girl, but yeah, she's their own, I guess. She gets a call from the network who uh, are going to officially confirm to Rachel that uh, they loved the script and they want to make a pilot episode. So that's what she's going for. Uh, she's going to go make the uh, film, the pilot and, and do that, which essentially is ending her run on Funny Girl because she's she's going to L.A. She's not here for Funny Girl anymore. So that dream is uh, over uh, by choice. Yeah, we never get to see how that goes over with Sydney. Like, well, I feel yep. like we really needed that. I feel like that would have made me feel a lot better. About it, you know what I mean? Because obviously we're gonna, all of the consequences are going to come showering down on her in season six. But I would have loved to have seen like one last scene with Sydney, and she's like, "Yeah, like because we really need, I need, we need like a, like a little bit more hubris." You yeah. know what I mean? Because it, it ended so happily that I'm like, mm, "This ain't right." Like after her final show that she was doing, she should have like had the scene where she goes to Sydney saying, "Look, I appreciate it, but I I'm going like I'm I'm not doing this anymore or something like whatever the scene was like I want to see the look on his face when he sees her giving up this opportunity of a lifetime for I guess an it LA was, script. 
I guess it's a bit of a it's a bit of like uh, they would have run into some problems there because he did say that he would sue her, and so they sort of just dropped that storyline altogether because it would have been a little bit too complicated. I guess. But it definitely this whole this three episode stretch is is very messy. It leaves you with so many questions. It leaves you you know wanting more answers, and it's just it, they're all over the place here. You know they're wrapping up season five. They they are not putting much care into it. Uh, characters are coming and going as far as like you know Santana all over the place. Brittany shows back up out of nowhere. It's just everything is weird here. Um, they kind of get the story across of what they're trying to do again to lead us into season six. But overall, you don't feel like you actually you know, landed on a good spot with Rachel where where you would expect her to have been. So, all right, no. this is just the mess that we have, and this is the mess we're going to take with us into season six. All right. Mm-hmm. It is a, it's a lot of cleanup that we're going to be needing yeah. um, in season six. So it's it's very messy. It's not it's not my favorite Rachel ending to, or any. It's probably my least favorite out of all of the seasons that we've had so far, um, which – is such an like I I'm so conflicted with the season because I do love the New York era so much, but the latter half of it is quite the tale. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I mean, overall, season five for Rachel is uh, I I think it's definitely one of her biggest seasons as far as like her story goes. Everything she's got with Funny Girl, the fighting with Santana, and how that brings them back to being them their high school selves, which they had kind of gotten out of for a full year of their lives in season four. Um, and then you know everything and just kind of seeing how things really start to dissip- uh, dissipate for her at the end of season five. Uh, it's just I don't know. That's just where she goes. It's uh, ups and downs. Obviously, the downs of losing Finn and uh, feeling like she's just kind of losing a lot at once, but taking bigger risks to try to gain more at the same time. So, you know, it, in that sense, it makes sense for the character that's always kind of been somebody willing to take the big risk, but this is just not the right risk. So that's, you know, where we mm-hmm. end off and alas, we move on. Alas, we move. So, you ready for some more songs? I am ready for some more songs. Let's do it. Top 30 Rachel Berry songs. There are uh, 30 songs left, so we're going to do 15 today in this podcast here, and then we're going to do 15 in the final podcast for season six as we get to the top tier, the best of the best of Rachel Berry. So let's get right on into it with song number 30. Walking fast, faces passing, I'm homebound. Staring blankly ahead, just making my way, making my way through the crowd. And I need you, and I miss you, and now I wonder if I could fall into the sky. Do you think time would pass me by? Thousand Miles kicks off our countdown today. It has made the top 30 at song number 30. Of course, Rachel and Sam from season six, which we have not yet talked about, but uh, there is a thousand miles. Oh, tonight. Yeah, this is a jam. It's a jam. Everybody loves a thousand miles. I am not surprised that this made it all the way up to top 30. Um, would I have put it in my top 30? Uh, well, I probably rated it really, really high. But in terms of Rachel Berry, I wonder if it would like if I had rated them all. I don't know. 
Maybe, maybe, maybe. Um, it, it's a really good. It's a. It's probably one of the better ones in all of season six. Um, another moment where they recreate the music video too. Um, and there is some chemistry here between Sam and Rachel that I that's believable to me, and not so much like, oh, she has to have a love interest for the last season. Let's just give her to Sam. Like it, it has the capacity to feel very willy nilly, but it doesn't. Mm-hmm. It feels very honest and earnest, and I I love it. All right. Let's uh, let's talk about that more when we get to season six. But for here, uh, yes, this is obviously a classic song. Glad they finally got a chance to do it on Glee. And uh, Rachel and Sam both sound great and they recreated the video as best as possible. So it's a fun time there at number 30 for a thousand miles. And let's move on to number 29. Now, let me ask you uh, a question real quick. So if this performance was any time other than Rachel Berry auditioning for a Broadway role, uh, what would you think of it? Um, I mean, that that's hard to answer. I wouldn't really need to know what it would be. Because um, it's not, look, I it's not just about it being a dumb song to sing for an audition. It's also, let's not abuse the song and then have it become more and more diluted as time goes on. Now, this is only what? This is the third time or the fourth time that this song has been sung at this point? Uh, this is... Well, we go back to our trivia podcast. I think it's third, right? I mean, it depends. Like, So they did it, you know, the, the, the first one, and then they did it at regionals that year, and then they mm-hmm. did it again season four, five... This is the season four one, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so this would be number three. Probably, so, unless we're forgetting one. Probably. There might be one in there inter- interspersed, some of the we're just forgetting. But yeah, um, I, I think that's, that's sort of like, a, it's, it's a two-faceted issue for me. It's like, don't overdo it, and also, why are we doing it here? It sort of like cheapens it. Like, I, I, just, I just can't jive with it. I think she sounds great, but no. You know, it would have been great. Like, I mean, I, I think I agree uh, that, you know, we're kind of maybe overdoing it with the Don't Stop Believing, but also maybe they, you know, it's, well, not maybe, but they obviously didn't realize they were going to do it again in season five in a moment where it, like, made a lot of sense. One of them, season four or season five, should have been maybe, like, she sings a different song that had already been done by the New Directions, like another big song. I don't know what that what that particularly is. Maybe she does Faithfully again, but just does it by herself, where she thinks of herself and Faith 
thin. Um, I get the point of this is like she wanted to get back to her roots and she wanted to think about, you know, what got her going into like this new path that she created for herself in sophomore year with uh, the Glee Club and all that kind of stuff. I get what they're going for here and I do like it. I probably more than you, uh, you know, I, I definitely enjoy this cover, enjoy this whole idea of what's happening here, but I definitely think they could have gone with a couple of different uh, ways, uh, maybe a different option for either the season four or season five to not make it too much Don't Stop Believing. Yeah, and I also feel like that she's just not that far removed from it, right? Like, season, like, she, like, I feel like I would have minded less had there not been this in season four and there was only the one in season five and she did something like this. I mean, granted, by that point, she had already auditioned for the show. But, yeah, like, you, I mean, you just graduated. It's not like you're that far removed from the Glee Club. Like, you were there a year ago, maybe a little under a year ago. You won nationals. So, the reminiscing of it all, I'm like, what are we, why are we becoming a nostalgia act? And you literally just did this. You know what I mean? It's kind of like at the 2013 VMAs where Lady Gaga performed applause and then she, towards the end of the number, she went through all of her eras. And I'm like, Gaga, you just got here. Like, (laughs) so I just, yeah, I just, yeah, it's, uh, I I think it's a great performance. I just, just not necessary for me. So that is, uh, that comes in at number 29, which understandable, it's Don't Stop Believing. It's always going to get, you know, pretty high marks overall. So that's where uh, Don't Stop Believing from season four lands, Rachel's cover there. Uh, let's move on to number 28, which is uh, a song from season one that was not recreated in season four. Uh, here's song number 28. No shade to Annie, but I didn't realize Rachel had an Annie poster in her room. Like, I love Annie. I I talked about that before, but there's so many Broadway musicals and she has Annie up on her wall. Okay. Um, (laughs) What's wrong with Annie? There's nothing wrong with Annie, but I just always thought of it as like, I don't know, a... uh, not not the the musicals to aspire to be a part of. I don't know. Maybe I'm being too harsh on Annie. I just thought that was funny. Okay. Um, I dreamed a dream <laughs> of being on Annie uh, at number 28 here with, of course, Rachel and Shelby. Yeah. Um, I figured uh, these Adina ones would be up here because um, season one, right? I and mean, then she hears her mom's voice for the first time and then she dreams of singing with her. Um, and it's... 
I th- these are like performances like these are like the ones where I'm jealous that I didn't start watching Glee when it first came out because I'm sure everybody was just going up for this. I'm sure all the girls and the gays were like, "Oh my god, this is so amazing! It's the best on Glee!" Ah! I would have loved to have been a part of that hype, but alas, I was not here yet. Um, now this is a strong one. This is a very strong performance. This is this is classic Glee. It's it's seminal Glee as uh, Rachel would probably put it. <laughs> yes. Incredible stuff, of course, from Adina Menzel and Leah Michelle here, and uh, not the last time you'll see them on the list. So agreed that it was definitely going to uh, make sense to be higher up. And uh, that's where it is. Dream to Dream at number 28. Let's move on to number 27. No, we got a solo. I can take one more step towards you Cause all that's waiting is regret Don't you know I'm not your ghost anymore? You lost the love I love the most. I learned to live half a life, and now you want me one more time. And who do you think you are? Running around. Isn't it great that the prom is so inclusive this year? Someone for everyone. Even if it's a lie. All right, Jar of Hearts comes in at uh, number 27. This is, of course, from Prom in Season 2. So we've got, uh, you know, a couple of uh, undeveloped, not undeveloped, uh, still to be developed storylines happening here with a lot of these different couples. And uh, yeah, there's Rachel. Yeah, uh, yeah, this, I, I love this performance. I love the way that it's shot and everything. Um, it sort of like gets me in the feels. I'm like really up there with Rachel. Like I feel it. I feel her pain of it all. Um, aside from just being a big fan of this um, of this song as well on its own, um, I mean Matt wouldn't know much about that, seeing as how he hates Christina Perry. But not yeah, I, uh... that. Still. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> Last time I, I opened up about, about that. anything. I love teasing you about that. Um, yeah, uh, no, this is great. I think that she uh, really, really hits. A lot of the pressure points for me with this song and Finn had her fucked up. Finn had her in her bag <laughs> and she definitely did all that she could to emote. She was like, I'm going to make this the most uncomfortable slow dance for these bitches they ever, ever going to remember. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, it's a, I, I do agree. I think this is a, a very, very good performance from Rachel. Um, no issues for me. Seeing it this high up the list uh, works for me. Probably could have. Like, wouldn't have been surprised if it was a little bit lower, but it's fine here. So that is Jar of Hearts at 27. And we have uh, at 26 a song from the very next episode sequentially. My man is, I am his forever. 
Yeah? Oh man, I'm still, it has been, Matt, it's been like 10 years now and I still have the same exact reaction that Kurt has every single time. This is what, this was the first song that I was like, okay, it's team Rachel, bitch. I just, <sighs> This puts you back in the Rachel Berry stand card team. It really does. It. She just. She un. You know those tweets when people talk about understanding the assignment. Here it is. Here it is. It's she just the assignment. She just gets it, and you know that she she performs with every ounce, every ounce. And I was really missing this Rachel in the later seasons. I was missing this because we don't get many of those anymore. And yeah. She gets some great ballads towards the end of the series. She really does. But this was, I was missing this. Like, why is she so into it? It's just an audition for a, for, for, for national. That's all it is. (laughs) That's all it is. Because she goes hard at all these songs. Um, uh, you mean I, to tell? And this is why I'm so pissed about her auditioning with don't, you had this in your repertoire and you do that? <laughs> yeah, that's a fair point. Um, uh, I, I guess I'm sorry that this is only at 26. I, I'm sure you would have enjoyed seeing it higher. I would have loved seeing this higher, but it's, I know that it's not, you know, it's, I get it. I get it. I have long since learned to stop fighting these battles with y'all. <laughs> but of course, I think this should be higher. This is top 10. It's top 10. It's that last note, man. It's so crystal clear. The resonance that she has on that last push is just, it captivates me every single time. I, every time. Yeah. I, I feel like anybody who's like trained with that, that like the same, the way that you like look at music rather than just being like, you know, you're looking for exactly what she is doing or any artist is doing with their voice rather than just like, oh, how much fun am I having listening to this? So I feel like, you know, that, that different perspective always kind of uh, adds to the conversation. And I understand why from that perspective, it would be higher up the list. Uh, from the overall perspective, I understand why it's down here at 26 mm-hmm. rather than in the top 10, mm-hmm. because, you know, this isn't one that, that, that maybe like the hardcore Glee fans are like, oh yeah, Rachel sang my man. And like, even I, like who I don't have that same love for this song or performance, but I'm like, oh yeah, of course she killed it. So that's just kind of where it lands. She really did, man. I'm sorry to those people's eardrums of me just banging on my desk. I'm sorry I just couldn't contain myself. <laughs> That's okay. Uh, so that is at 26. 26 out of 106. Not bad uh, for my man. And uh, we keep on moving to number 25. Without you, without you, I 
right. So without you from season three, episode 10 comes in here at uh, number. What was it? 25. Uh, a pretty powerful performance as well here. This is one that I think I have uh, had a lot of love for over the years. So I'm happy to see it higher up the list. Uh, what say you for without you? Yeah, this one always sneaks up on me. I forget about it, but it's it's every time I listen to it, I'm like, this is, I mean, it's kind of more of the same of what I was getting at with my man. Like, of course, I love my man a little more than this one, but I just think that um, Leah Michelle, and I, I know that we don't really like singing her praises too much over here, but I just think that she has always been her best when singing these heartfelt ballads about love. You know what I mean? Like, she just really, that's where she stays you know what i mean i think that that's kind of like her niche and she understands it very well she knows how to perform it very well and so it comes across with with rachel rachel was just a very very emotive person and i think that this number really just um as well with the acting that's aided by uh cory monteith as well like it's just it's very powerful to watch Mm -hmm. them together yeah uh, really good stuff here for Without You at number 25. Uh, I don't really have a whole lot of extra commentary to add about it, but I just, uh, I'm a big fan of it. So happy to see it up here. <laughs> I like it a lot. I've uh, definitely jammed out to this in the car a couple times. Uh, moving on to song number 24, which I'll make sure I have a lot to say about. thinking about this that should have been obvious that he threw that like he went <laughs> higher than he needed to go Dad! <laughs> i remember what i this is like one of the first ever you know episode eight i think is wheels here and i remember like early on in our recording and uh, we talked about this and i was like oh no you know i i really enjoyed defying gravity on glee uh the rachel cover and you were like oh shady i was like no seriously the rachel cover it's that's the good one which is not like a hot take or anything like that, but like I, I wish I could just judge Rachel's cover that was released on uh, Apple, not Apple, on iTunes or whatever the hell. Um, the the duet here is obviously what we get in the show, which no offense to Chris Colfer, just let Leah sing it. <laughs> Mercedes in her, <laughs> she's looking at him like you're you do like, don't oh, no oh no oh, oh no. <laughs> Oh, this poor sad boy. Look away in shame. Yeah, I mean, he threw it. All for his dad. Good for you, Kurt. But, um, I mean, this this is fine. You guys know I don't have to talk about it again. I'm not the biggest fan of this version of Defying Gravity, but I will accept it as a fan favorite and it being season one and all of that jazz. So I get it. 
and all that jazz. Yes. Uh, Defying Gravity, obviously incredibly iconic as far as Glee goes. One of the uh, one of the biggest uh, number or one of the the best songs they've had as far as the charts go, uh, for sure. So obviously this was going to make it up here to the top, but didn't need to make its way to the very top. It would be a little bit surprising to me if it made it to the uh, the part one, or I'm sorry, the part six countdown, I guess, the top, top, top tier of the top 15 songs that we're not getting to today. Uh, so yeah, this is a, a good landing spot. It could have been worse for you if it had been higher, and uh, I'm good with 24 for Defying Gravity. And let's move on. Number Number 23 for Here's to Us. Um, so I like this song. Um, I, I liked it a lot when it came out. I liked it a lot when they when they did this. Um, I don't know. I'm just a big fan of most of the songs I think they do at competitions in season three. Um, and this one, not really any exception. I think that Rachel, you know, in, in this Glee world here, Rachel is obviously the main star of the New Directions, blah, 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 blah. But when they send her out on that stage in competition and she's ready to show them, you know, the the lead vocalist of the New Directions that has been chosen every single opportunity, uh, she usually doesn't miss. So it's hard to, you know, say anything negative about some of these performances, even if, you know, you think a couple of them are too Disney Channel. Uh, that's just, you know, how I feel about them. So I don't get the Disney Channel vibe from this performance. I actually really enjoy this one a lot, too. This one was a slow burn for me as well. I think... Um, upon rewatching season three, right before I left for Drexel, um, watching this performance, it got me. I was like, oh, I feel it. I feel it. I feel what they're trying to make me feel here. It's definitely, it's giving me what I want. So um, I am fine with this placement as well. I think this is a really strong performance by Rachel. So I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. All right. Love to hear it. Love to hear it. Here's to us in agreement here at number 23. Get it? Cause the, the okay, no, <laughs> okay, fine. No, I did get it, but it was so corny. I was about to I know, sing, about to and sing then it. I he choked on all the my breath fit. got taken out of your uh, <laughs> your sail there. Hey, speaking of breath, here's song number twenty two.
Uh, did I get enough of it there? I kind of got distracted for a second, but uh, there's every breath you take at uh, number 22. Uh, I, I just want to know when any of this choreography is actually going to be in Funny Girl. <laughs> <laughs> Good point. Um, I'm surprised this made it this high up. I mean, uh, yeah, it gets Santana bump at all, but uh, number 22. Okay, sure. I think we hyped it up. I remember both of us being like, this is the shit. <laughs> I mean, I think I'm a bigger fan of the other cover between the two of them in this Brave. episode. Hey, can I just play it next because it's it's next? Can I play number 21? Let's do we it. We were really eating with these uh, Santana-Rachel duets this episode. They really fed us. Let's listen to uh, song number 21 from the same episode. But I wonder what would happen if you say what you want to say And let the words fall out Honestly, how honestly you be brave with what you want So we have back to back here. Every breath you take, oh. followed by Brave. Two two great covers from the same episode. With uh, you know, before things are going to go downhill. Well, actually, that's not true. One is before things go downhill. The other is after things go downhill. But they're two great performances. Yes. Um. Yeah. Every breath I, every breath you take, really, they do a really great job. Um. With the way that it's shot, the cinematography of it really just sells the number. Aside from it being a a fucking perfect choice for the situation in, in terms of song choice um and brave so fun also very visually pleasing everything is just the the choreography is just great vocally i mean they probably some of their best work in the later part of the seasons um the ending of this song for brave damn like it's just it's such the perfect choice to have Liam michelle deliver like a bit of like a mixed belt at the end and then just have just have uh, Naya just give us that full blown belt on Brave. It's she's so oh, it's so crystal clear. Mm-hmm. It sounds so good. These so. these two songs had the uh, four point five out of five points from us. I'm pretty sure that Brave was me giving a five, you giving a four, and every breath you take was you giving a five, me giving a four. Mm-hmm. So you know, ultimately, and I'm vacillating back and forth just right now. It's just they're so good. <laughs> They're both really good. And uh, like I said, a little surprised to see them make it this high up the list. But I guess that's what happens when the songs are relatively liked. They were in like the, you know, like uh, 37. It looks like 37 and 40 for the audience. But you and I are like, nope, these are both really good. And they bounce on up to 21 and 22 overall. Yes. So yes, that's that. And we have reached the Rachel Berry top 20. We're only going to get to five more songs for the day today, but we are in the top 20, baby. This is the, this is, we're getting there. 
This is it. Uh, so let's get started with uh, actually another Rachel and Santana duet at number 20. Back to back to back. So emotional. I'm so emotional. Every time that I hear them sing. I have so many thoughts. Um, yes. Uh, amazing. Everything is just perfect with this. Uh, it's so funny how, like, this was, like, I went from only thinking of the Whitney version of this song to only thinking of the Glee version of this song, then to only thinking of the Whitney version of the song with Sasha Valores flower petals coming down. No. Back to only thinking of... Um, the Glee version of the song. It's just, it's so emotional. It's just clearly uh, an iconic song that just, just breeds perfect performance. Yes, shout out to Miss Whitney Houston. We love you. We miss you every day. Um, also, not Sam looking over Kurt's shoulder at the text that Chandler is sending him and then not saying anything to Blade. <laughs> <laughs> More for the third of all. <laughs> third of all, um, oh my God, I lost my third point. You go. I'm sure it'll come back. Okay. Uh, yeah. I mean, out of the three that we got so far, I mean, it's it's hard. To, like, they're all so good. Um, I would probably have had them in this order of uh, the way that they've played out so far, with so emotional being the best, followed by brave, followed by every breath you take. Um, and uh, I don't know. I sometimes it's just it's weird how these things happen where they all end up in the same spot on the list together. So yeah, uh, so emotional is the uh, first song to make it into our top twenty, uh, or the first song we're revealing here in our top twenty. And I think that is a great fit um i wonder if anyone is going to say it should have been higher um i wouldn't be surprised i wouldn't disagree um but lots of lots of mm. uh, iconic rachel songs up here so uh number 20 i think more of rachel's solo efforts need to be higher than the duets that's just kind of my personal preference uh my third point was wow what a fantastic uh mashup opportunity just now at the end where you just cut it off where santana literally sings word for word note for note another lyric from another song and it matches up perfectly. Can you think of it? No, you're probably not going to think of it. I don't know, no, I don't know what you're saying. <laughs> well, we, you just paused the video at a point where uh, uh, Santana says, Oh, baby. Which are literally this exact same uh, words and notes for, Oh, baby, when I, I see, see your face. face. Like, perfect mashup opportunity. Oh, I never noticed that until now. Oh, interesting. I hadn't realized, but that is not it's, what is up next. I am sorry to tell you. Sorry, just musical nerd shit. Sorry. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's okay. Uh, don't be sorry. Don't don't be sorry. Don't even think about doing anything like 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 crying or anything like that. Oh, here's song number nineteen. 
At number 19, uh, it's time for uh, the big choke here in uh, episode 18 of season three. Rachel had a pretty bad time in her audition, didn't go too well, and now she's uh, thinking about crying. It's so, yeah, she leaves it all on the floor here. Um, for whatever reason, the clip of that is now going viral, like all over social media, TikTok, when she's like pleading with Whoopi to please, please, please. It's oh so yeah, funny yeah, yeah. <laughs> I see that all over the place now. Yeah, <laughs> it's so funny. Not 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 Rachel, like clearly like having a moment, but like if you watch that clip back again, Whoopi like darts it out of there. Like you see her get up and she moves so quick past like Finn and everybody. I'm like, why are you hurrying away? Yeah. <laughs> like, it's like, damn. Um, but yeah, this performance, yeah, she she leaves it all out there. She's uh she's that's all she can do is cry. Mm-hmm. So it's like th- this must be what it feels like to really just cry when that's all you can do. Like shit. Yeah, she she absolutely kills it. Uh I don't know if this was the first take or if this was like, you know, the third or fourth time they they went through it, but either way, uh, you know, you you see her dropping it all for you like it's all there the emotion throughout the, the entire song it just is so raw and believable and uh it's really good stuff there so i'm um, definitely happy to see it you know at uh, at number 19 one of her best solos uh there's definitely a couple of solos left on the list but i mean we're i don't know that might be like top five rachel solos when you kind of add it all together for five six or something like that so a lot of duets left um so there's cry at number 19 uh, let's move on. Number 18, three songs left for the day. Treated me kindly. Daddy left early and mama was poor. I'd meet a man and I'd follow him blindly. He'd snap his fingers and me, I'd say sure. Suddenly Seymour. All right, well, now you want me to talk? I'll talk. I'll talk. I love this song. I know I talked about it a lot on Blaine's Countdown. Uh, lands here at number 18. I don't remember how high up it was on Blaine's, but I feel like it was similarly closer to the top. Uh, it's just really good. I think they sound great together, and it's in a moment in the beginning of the season where they just really need that reminder from each other of how good they are, so they kill it over here. Uh, Rachel kind of gets back in her groove a little bit, and uh, yeah, really, really good. I really wish that I was as big a fan of this cover as you. I really do. I'm, I I love that you love this song because it's one of like uh, Little Shop is one of my favorite musicals of all time. But I think that that's the exact reason why it's not. It's because I have 
heard this song so many times. And of course, like you want all of your favorite musical songs to be um, recorded on Glee. But I kind of feel similarly about this the way that I feel about Let It Go. I feel like it just sort of came too late. And also you sort of use, at least for me, I was having to deal with the fact that I was like, we were, we were having to like learn what the hell is going on with Rachel's life right now. There was so much like odd shit at the beginning of season six that you're really trying to like pay catch up. And I feel like this song came at like the worst time for me to like really go up for it. That being said, vocally speaking, of course, they sound wonderful. It's a great performance of the song, but it just doesn't hit me the way that I really want it to. And it makes me sad because I, I, I do love this song and I love this musical, but I am sort of, oh, I guess I'm not shocked that it's up here because I know that you love it and I know that a lot of the fans love it. But personally speaking, for Rachel, nah, this would be closer towards the bottom. Probably not even in the top 50 for me. Well, you gave it a four out of five, so. I know. did, but like, it's not like... Because vocally speaking, it's a great performance. But like I, like if I'm ranking these songs by myself, no, this is not. This would never be this high. Mm-mm. Okay, 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 okay. Fair <laughs> enough, fine. And that's not to shit on it, because like I said, I do love it. It's just, I guess it just it, the, the the timing of it just didn't hit me the way that I wish that it would have. I see what you mean. You're in the top tier of Rachel's. You're looking for songs that uh, connect for you for for Rachel. Yeah, I'm looking for time. my man. I'm not looking for this. All right. Well, <laughs> I'm looking for this, so I'm happy it's here. Number eighteen. Let's move on to number seventeen that I think both of us enjoy, and uh, no surprise that this one is in the top twenty. Here is number seventeen. People, 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 people. Number 17. Yes, I love this song. I really do. It's It, it, it sells me all the imagery that I want. <laughs> it really makes me want to be in New York City, young and love with a bunch of friends around and just like, no, no, no fuck the, not even in New York City. Just like, I just want that in my life. I want to be surrounded by loved ones all the time, friends, family, romance, all of it. Um, I, I, yeah, I love that. I love this song so much. And I, you know, there's a lot of Barbra Streisand covers on this song by one Miss Leah Michelle. And there's a lot of these, a lot of those covers sound like Leah trying to sound like Barbara. I actually feel like Leah sounds like Leah here, which makes me enjoy it even more. Um, so I, yeah, I, I'm a big fan of this cover and Yeah. I love it. <laughs> yeah, uh, both of us gave it perfect scores, five out of five. So it averages out with a five bonus points, which is good for people who like this song, people, uh, because the audience had this at number 55. So we bounced it all the way up to number 17. Sorry about it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'm a big fan of people. So, uh, there is that at number 17 and let's close this baby out for the day. Uh, number 16, let's have some fun with, uh, season two 
Time to close things out with Rachel and Blaine. Oh, also, like, her vibrato. I know I talked about this last time, her vibrato on But First Be a Person Who Needs People. Oh, you just feel it. She be eating these lyrics, man. Oh, my God. Just go back and listen so to that So should I do, do my favorite. my intro to number 16 again, or should we just all... No, let's just keep barreling forward. Let's, let's all just, just pretend forward. like that was in the correct order. That made more sense. Okay, here's number 16. A classic, a classic, a classic here at number f- uh, 16. 16 to uh, get us into the top 15 for next time. We have Don't You Want Me Here. Um, I think this is an appropriate spot for it. I, I get how much we all love this song, this cover. It's great. It's great. It's great. Uh, but Rachel's got a lot of st- a lot of good, good stuff. And I'm not saying this isn't one of it, but like this is this is fun. This is like this is cute. But I'm looking for the hot up above in the top 15. <laughs> She's a cute girl, cute next to gorgeous. Gorgeous is gonna devour cute. Yeah. So. Um. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. I've grown to like this song a lot more. I sort of, it sort of, in the beginning, was a little bit run of the mill for me. Um. Only because I'm so familiar with the song, which is like, oh, it's just a you know classic karaoke song. Um. But I have grown to appreciate it a lot more as we've been podcasting for the past year. Still a bit too high for me. Um. I would be fine with this being in the uh late 20s early 30s you know what i mean um but fine you know we got people all the way up there so i'll i'll take this <laughs> yes uh so yeah no I, th- this is obviously a lot of fun this is really good so i'm happy that it's here i don't think anybody would expect it to be much lower uh, with all the love that we all have for don't you want me from uh the first time that Rachel and Blaine get to sing together but it's number 16. It leads us, uh, leaves us here for the day. And uh, next time we'll get to season six. We'll get to the top 15 songs and uh, I'm ready to do it. So I don't need to take up any more of your guys' time here today. Thank you for checking out part five of this insanely long series. Six parts, one more to go. We are almost done. <laughs> almost done, guys. We're so close. We got one more part of Rachel 
and then we can all just love on Santana some more, <laughs> as if we don't already do it enough as it is. Yes. Uh, follow us. You guys know where to follow us. Tweet at us. You know where to tweet at us. Uh, do all those things, and uh, thank you guys for listening. Yes. Thank you guys so much. Um, follow us at all of the uh, appropriate places, and until next time, we will glee you later. <laughs>